Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 199 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jackie McCoy. Jackie lives in West Palm Beach, Florida, where she is a mom of three beautiful girls. And I can say that because I have seen their photos many times. You've got such a beautiful family. She's part of our Delay, Don't Deny community. Well, welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much. It's exciting to connect after so long of hearing your voice to be able to connect Real time. <laughs> I've really been looking forward to it because, again, I, I feel like I know you and your family and a little bit about your story, and now you're going to be sharing it even more broadly, and I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to share. This is definitely a passion of mine. I had to tell the story because this has been so different than anything else I've experienced. 
Right. Well, yeah, you've got a lot to share. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? And I know your story is going to begin way before intermittent fasting. Yes, very much. So this is going to be the bulk of it, but I don't want to skip anything because I think it's oh, yeah. important. But it Take is your time. We have a long time and, and the whole story is so important. Okay. So I would say that I'm going to take you all the way back to when I was a young child. You know, some insights I have now looking back on it are different, but how I experienced then is that at a certain point, I was probably around 10 or 11, a doctor told my mom that I was overweight. It's really funny when I think back on it, though, because I was very minimally overweight. And I don't even right. like to use the word. I feel like I would have probably been fine because I think that children, you know, as they grow, sometimes you gain some and lose some and gain some. My mom was worried. And, you know, the way they position it is like your child is going to have this life of hardship and struggle and bad health. So I did end up going on my first diet at around 11 years old. And that, wow. is- you know, can I pop in with that? My brother, I probably mentioned this before. I have two brothers, but the younger one, Zach is his name. He went through a phase where he, he was, you know, we quote chubby, right? But it was part of the growing up process, probably right around 10 or 11. He went through that phase and he absolutely just right after that shot up grew a ton. And he is like the skinniest, lankiest member of the family. And so how heartbreaking that the doctor was like, the solution is a diet at age 11. Well, yeah. And of course, I have all these insights now. But at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal. But now that I look back on it, I realized that that very first diet at such a young age really affected my relationship with food and my body for the rest of all time. And The first one that I did was just probably like, you know, the standard 1200 calories a day. I'm still amazed that because it was a pretty well-known like diet company that's still around today. And I'm kind of amazed that they would even accept me into their program because it was prepackaged foods and things like that at such a young age. But from that point forward, I actually ended up a little bit chubby to just getting heavier and heavier and heavier every year. And what I internalized as a child was that I was broken. I was defective. Something was wrong with me. I had willpower issue. Also, I went from being a normal child to being obsessed with food because as soon as you have these parameters, like I'm not allowed to eat past this many calories while I was sneaking food, I was hiding food it became my very first initiation into the binge restrict cycle, but I did not know what that was at the time. I just thought, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be normal like everybody else? And I didn't have any idea that dieting was a part of the problem. So I just kept going on a new diet every single year and I would lose weight and everyone would congratulate me. And then I would gain it all back. And I would, it really made my self-esteem so low and it makes me so sad when I look back on my childhood, I'm always like, if I could do it over again and just have felt better about myself, then I could have done anything. So, I mean, I did tons of different things, but I even actually as 16 year old was prescribed part of the, you know how they did Fen Fen? Well, I didn't take like yep. both parts of the Fen. I don't know which one I took, but I, I'm pretty sure you probably took Fentermine. Probably. Which is the one I took that the doctor prescribed for me because the it was, okay, let me see if I can say it right. Fentermine and, oh, uh, I can't remember the other fin, the one that started with an F. 
but the fen, P-H-E-N, was the fentramine. And then the other one, I can't remember. I thought I could, but then it's gone. I never took fen, fen. I just took the fentramine. And it's like, it's kind of like speed, right? Well, yeah. And at 16. I know. And I went in wanting the, both of the fins because that's Mm -hmm. what I heard was like the magical combination. And I was desperate because I felt like losing weight was going to fix my entire life. And, but the doctor was like, well, you're young. We'll just give you the one fin. So yes, but it was like speed. Of course, at the time I didn't realize it, but it took my appetite away and I lost a ton of weight that summer. And the thing that was always so sad is I got so much, you know, feedback from adults. I remember my drama teacher was like, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. Like you can get one of the lead roles now. And I was like, yay, because it was celebrated in all of the different ways. And the saddest part too, is that at the time, really not that many people were talking about my health. I actually wasn't correlating the two. What I was correlating is in a bigger body, I was less valuable, less desirable. In a smaller body, I'm more valuable, more desirable. And health wasn't even really a part of it that much. People didn't really talk about that. But anyways, so I did that and it was just losing and gaining and losing and gaining. And I mean, I could go through all the diets, but it's like basically all of them, except for, I think the only thing that you have talked about that you did that I didn't do was I never did the HCG, but I wanted to. I don't know why I didn't do it. I just didn't. So I got to a place in my life where I was getting heavier and heavier, but I was really sick of dieting and I felt like I just wasn't ever going to be able to get it under control. It had been such, it had been decades. I had an amazing family. I had an amazing husband. So I was just going to be like the big girl. And I was just going to live a beautiful, wonderful life anyways, and just not have that part of it. So I gave up for a little bit of time, but then my husband and I had been married for a few years and we really wanted to start a family and it wasn't really happening. I wasn't worried yet. I was young. I got married at like 23. So I wasn't like, didn't need it to happen right away. But I remember I went to the doctor and they did their series of tests and they said that my hormones were not okay, that I had PCOS, which I already assumed probably I did because my periods were never regular when I was growing up. And that basically I needed to lose weight to be able to even possibly conceive was they wouldn't even help me with infertility treatments unless I lost hundred pounds. At that point in my life, I was in the low 300s. The top weight that I ever hit was 365 pounds. So that was when I got really freaked out because I was like, okay, it can take away like all these other parts of my life, but I don't want it to take away motherhood. That was something incredibly important to me. And but I had never, ever been able to be successful. And I remember the doctor said to me, you know, I can count on one hand out of hundreds and hundreds of patients that I've seen that have your exact same scenario that actually lost the weight. He's like, I highly recommend you have weight loss surgery. That's the only way that I can see. And my mom actually has always been a part of the health and wellness industry and, you know, health because health and weight loss are not necessarily correct at all. You're right. So, but health has always been really important to her. And so I kind of grew up like absorbing all these different messages accidentally. And I knew that weight loss surgery was malabsorptive. Right. And I knew that building a healthy baby was my number one priority. And I was like, but how can I have the surgery and then have nutritional deficiencies? Because everyone that I knew that had the surgery did, even if they were successful and then grow a healthy baby. So I was really resistant to the surgery, even though in some ways it sounded like it was gonna fix all my problems. 
I just wanted to be healthy enough to be a mom with them. And so I was just really sad and depressed and just didn't know what to do. And so I kept on dieting. Like you, I did low carb and keto many, many, many times, even though it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't ever feel good. It just seemed like it would work though, right? Well, like yeah. it, it, it made good sense. Everything <laughs> that I read about it, especially since I knew PCOS was linked to like insulin resistance and things like that, I figured it would work, but it never not only did it not work that well for me, but I never felt happy on it, like not body, mind or spirit. I was like, I am miserable, but I dabbled in that. And then my mom is telling me that there's this new show. It wasn't a competitive show. It was basically a year in the life. We're going to give you the tools to lose half your body weight in a year. And I was like, yes, I do need that. So I went to the audition and I remember feeling like it probably wasn't going to happen, but my mom was like, let's make it a road trip. It was like a couple hours north of where I lived and it'll be a girl's weekend. And we went and then I did the interview and they ended up picking me. And I remember being so relieved because I was like, oh my gosh, all of my dreams are going to come true. I'm going to follow exactly what they say, which I'm actually an amazing rule follower. I always followed the rules. Oh yeah. Diets. <laughs> I was super good at dieting. So I was like, I'm going to do everything that they say. I'm going to be the model pupil and I'm going to be able to have my kids and finally like know what it's like to live in a normal body. Because that was also just one of my biggest desires, because I started gaining weight at such a young age, I didn't even know what it was like to just live normally. I had been obsessed with food a long time. I had been on the diet roller coaster a long time and my body in puberty was already overweight. And uh, I always laugh a little because when you talk to other people, you're like, you know, your body will probably settle into a weight that it was probably around <laughs> high school. I was like, I, not for me. No, thank you. No. That is assuming that you <laughs> didn't have long lasting problems. You know, going back well, before we, we talk about the weight loss show, honestly, I really do think that that early dieting set your body up for failure just because, number one, low calorie, you know, your body wasn't getting the nutrients it needed. So that probably slowed your metabolism at that young age. And then also what we know from the research on, you know, the Minnesota starvation experiment, that gives you the obsession with food. So that was like the one, two perfect thing. Slowed your metabolic rate because your body needed more fuel to grow. And then two, now you're obsessed with food. And so you're just going down this hard path. And so if nothing had happened, probably you would have just had that growth spurt and been fine. And honestly, even if I had been like pleasantly plump, like the rest of my life, I would have had higher quality of life in all the ways, even if we had just let it alone. But I really do feel to the depths of my soul that I wouldn't have continued to gain. Maybe I just would have stayed a little bit bigger than other people, which that would have been fine. But the cycle of dieting, of course, just made it worse. And a lot of things I didn't learn till later, but even just the hormonal cues that I was giving my body with the ghrelin and the leptin, like everything was out of whack Mm -hmm. in every way that you could everything. And my body was still trying to grow. So, I mean, it was definitely a perfect storm. Totally true. So parents, do not put your child on a diet. No, no, no. No. Actually, my favorite nutritionist that I follow now, she says, whether your child is underweight or overweight, you do the exact same thing, which is basically just focus on real food, focus on dedicated meal times, undistracted. Like you do the exact same thing because basically you just want that child to be able to listen to their body and to nourish themselves well, whether they need more nutrients or if they're eating a little bit too much. It just the same plan. It's not like one is a punishment and one is 
you know, a diet or whatever. But anyways. Well, you, you don't want to have them become preoccupied with food in any way. You want to keep asking the questions like, have you had enough? Are you still hungry? Things like that. Instead of the, the judgment is what it is. Because when you start judging kids really about anything, they start like rebelling against that judgment and then doing the opposite, but hiding it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times kids aren't doing anything specific. They're already just doing what their body is telling them to do. But if you see a behavior that you're worried about, well, there's so many ways to tackle it that have nothing to do with trying to change the amount of food that they're eating. I think a lot of the reason why it took so long for me to trust my body in any way, shape or form is that I was taught forever not to trust my body. Right. And so I thought for sure that mine was not trustworthy, but, and I think that's what we teach kids. So at the end of the day, when a kid were to ask me for food, no matter what their body size was, I would be like, are you hungry? If you are, okay. And then of course you can control the choices, but anyways, it's a totally different thing, but I do wish that it had been dealt with differently. And you know, my mom did the best that she could though. She, oh yeah, she's an amazing mom and she, she is. did what she thought she was supposed to be doing because of course she loved right. me so much. So I do not fault her in any way. And I know that if I had been a mom, I don't know, 30 something years ago, I probably would have done it the exact same way because I just didn't. Know. And also you're at the doctor's office and the doctor's like, here's what you do. And you're like, all right, you're the doctor, right? Well, and the doctors still don't really even know what to do or say. I actually, because now I've been through so much therapy and I've read so much, I have to be like, actually, it is not recommended for you to do X, Y, Z because they'll say things like, oh, we'll change your kid to skim milk or just all these. And I'm like, this is old information that is not yeah. true. And so even if they are a doctor, I question everything. Right. I question everything. So tell us about that experience with the weight loss TV show. Can you say the name of it? Do you feel like you can or, or if you don't want to, you don't have to? Oh, no, I can. So it was Extreme Weight Loss on ABC. Chris Powell was the host. And I just do want to say that I'm going to tell you about the show. And I would say that even like Chris Powell was trying to help me. I've heard exactly. different things from Biggest Loser contestants about their trainers and that was um, their experience. But my trainer really did have a heart of gold. Like he's a wonderful human being. And he even today, we've had many talks. We've even had talks about intermittent fasting. And he's like, you know, I was doing the best with what I knew yeah. also. And he wanted to try to help us achieve our dreams. So luckily he treated us very well. But at the end of the day, I did get picked for the show. I was so thrilled. I was so excited. Of course, there's a TV side of it, which is interesting. It's definitely different on the other side. But basically what they did was put us on a very low calorie diet and had us exercise an incredible amount of time. So for my time on the show, we exercised six days a week. Five days a week, we did about six hours a day. And of um, exercise? Correct. Yes. You did six hours of exercise five days a week. Yes. And then on that um, is a lot. That's that was a full time job. Your full time job was exercising. Oh, I did. I ended up quitting my actual job because I didn't know how I could do both. I felt like this was this once in a lifetime opportunity. And for me, it was to try to get my health back. And so I ended up quitting because I couldn't do all the things plus the meal prep because so we were on a five meal a day, you know, diet. And I would say that the calories got lower over time. They started us at 1600, but if you really think about it, for somebody who's 350 pounds and doing six hours of exercise a day, 1600 calories is not even slightly close to enough food to keep your metabolism no. okay. So no. I didn't know that. I just kept thinking, well, I have all this excess energy on my body, so I 
just felt like it was fine. I would have done whatever they told me to do. But in the very beginning, everything went fine. I, again, I'm a rule follower. So I, I mean, if I had six minutes left of exercise for the day, my husband would be like, Jackie, just go to bed. You're so tired. And I'd be like, nope, I am not until that I'm going to follow exactly what they tell me to do to a T because if it fails, I want to know that I did everything that I could. So Mm -hmm. the first 90 days I lost 90 pounds. Wow. Which was incredible. I was excited. I was happy. I felt proud of myself. I I was excited. I thought it was great. Over time, my weight loss started to slow down. Funnily enough, it still was never slow. It was always fast the whole time. But of course, I was expecting these huge expectations. And I remember the producer of the show, you know, would always say like, this is extreme weight loss. It needs to be extreme. These are not like Weight Watchers numbers. So I felt a lot of pressure. Yeah. So as it started to slow down, I was like, wow, I'm exercising a ton. I'm eating very little. The only thing that I know to do to make my weight loss speed up again is to eat less and to exercise more. So I did, or, and sometimes I didn't exercise more, but it became a thing where I would try to have the maximum calorie burn. So that would mean that I wasn't even enjoying any part of it because I, a gift of the show is that I wasn't very active for a long time. And I started to be active and I got to a point where I was like, oh, it feels good to move my body. It didn't feel good to move my body when I was at my heaviest because it was a lot of you know stress on my body. But I got to a certain point where it was starting to feel good, not for six hours a day, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then when I was obsessed with calorie burns, that went out the window because I was just trying to do whatever was as strenuous as possible, which wasn't fun. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. 
<laughs> brings me back to I remember one time of my sister's husband's brother. So my, my sister's brother-in-law, she was like, he's doing this wonderful thing. It's working so well. However much he eats, he just burns that much on his treadmill. Whatever he eats, he has to burn. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Not amazing. Is that kind of like what y'all were doing? Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, except for we were, you know, even in a bigger caloric deficit hole. But it's funny because right. if you had brought that to me at the time, that was my whole entire idea for maintenance after the show. I was like, okay, so all I got to do is like I can start eating like 2,500 calories a day, but then I have to make sure I burn this much and then I'll just be equal. I was definitely still looking at it 100% as a math equation. And you know, the producers of the show, because there was other people on the show at the same time as me. So we were each our own individual episodes. So I didn't like interact with them as like teammates or anything. But, you know, because of the way TV production is, they film us all in the same year. So I got to know some of them. And if people were struggling and they said, I'm doing this and I'm doing this, but I'm not getting the result. They were like, oh, do you defy the law of physics? You're telling me that you're burning this many calories and you're eating this many, but you're not losing? Well, that means you must defy the laws of physics. And at the time, I ate that up completely. I was like, oh, well, gosh, then we must be lying to ourselves or there must be something. I really believed that somehow there was no possible way that it just wasn't working the same. But now I understand all the reasons why. It really right. could not be working the same, and it wasn't. So y'all are just a bunch of liars, Jackie. I know. You're just, you know, because physics is physics. And the thing is, is that, yes, the laws of physics are the laws of physics, but the body is not a closed system that follows. That's just not how it works. <laughs> we know why, but. Well, and this is part of the thing that literally just had me screaming from the rooftops when I finally made it to IF. But I actually made it to IF a little bit earlier than when I made it this last time, but the first time things were rocky, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. So basically once I got nine months in, because the whole goal was for you to lose 50% of your body weight in one year. That was truly like the ultimate goal. And I'm not a competitive person, but when you set a goal in front of me, I, I wanted to achieve it. And I didn't know how, because my body just kept losing less and less and less weight, no matter what I did. And so I would be like up Googling things on like how to have the metabolic edge and how to be able to finish these last three months strong. I would just read and read and read. And I've always been interested in sciencey things anyways. I, you know, tried a lot of different things. None of them were probably very healthy. But one of the things I came across at that time, and this was back in 2011, was Eat, Stop, Eat. But yeah, Brad Pilon. Yes. And some of it sounded really, really interesting to me. Yeah. But I didn't. I was dabbling in Eat, Stop, Eat at that exact time. Oh, that's so funny. With Brad Pilon. That was right. Because 2009 is when I found her first heard of, I think it might have been Fast Five or some of the alternate daily fasting stuff. But I was absolutely, you and I were probably like doing the perusing of it the same day. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And well, because I couldn't sleep because I was always so hungry. I was always like right. up in the middle of the night. So I didn't read it all the way though. This is like one of those times where I really should have read all of it, but I just kind of like skimmed. And what I gleaned from it at the time was that I could skip a day of eating and have no harmful metabolic consequences. I didn't realize that I was already having metabolic consequences because I was in general severely under eating, especially for my activity level. And of course, I did end up losing more than half my body weight in one year. So I've lost 207 pounds in one year. 
Wow. And that is just, that's astonishingly a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm still amazed that it happened. I mean, people do have weight loss surgery and lose less in one year. So, I mean, right. And this was just diet and exercise, but Again, I had no idea there was any ramifications or repercussions, but what I did know is that I was this woman on a mission. I wanted to make everyone proud of me. I wanted to make myself proud of me. I achieved the goal and I got to the end and I was incredibly disappointed that being thin felt really similar to being bigger because both of them felt like a prison to me and both of them felt like I didn't feel very well. I was like, this is what healthy feels like. I'm, my hair is falling out. Mm-hmm. I feel no energy. I'm freezing cold all the time. I have like, my hormones were messed up in this whole new way. My period was gone. So before I had like a period, not to talk about girl stuff, but like, you know, once every three or four months, but then it, at a certain point in the show just went away completely. And I remember I went to the doctor because, you know, they promised me fertility. That I needed all I needed to do right. was lose weight. Surprise, it's the opposite. Yeah. Like, you know. And they were like, oh, you have this new thing. They're like, we don't see any signs of PCOS anymore, but now you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I didn't even know what that was. And they're like, typically women get that when they have like anorexia. And I was like, but I'm at an average weight for my height. Like, and they're like, yeah, but the caloric deficit that you had for over a year has probably told your body to shut down your, you know, female system. And I was shocked. I had no idea that that could be a thing. And I just kept saying, but I'm not underweight, but I'm not underweight. We assume that that only happens if you're underweight with anorexia, but you had probably a more extreme caloric deficit than like, you know, a typical someone with anorexia because you were, I mean, 207 pounds in a year, you had to really be at a deficit. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I don't, I don't even know at the end because basically at the end I was doing intermittent fasting, but it was eat, stop, Mm -hmm. eat style and not not thought all the way through. So it was not correct, but I thought what I was doing was correct. And so what I did is two days a week, I didn't eat at all. We were allowed to have like our high calorie day on Sundays. And that was the one day of the week that we didn't work out either. But my high calorie day, I let myself get to 2000 calories. So in general, when I really think about the amount of food that I was eating, the other thing that tricked me into thinking that I should be eating enough, like that it should have been enough for me. Number one, I wasn't underweight, but I kept thinking like, oh, well, I'm eating every couple hours. And so I would eat my like broccoli and my chicken breast. And then I would eat my Greek yogurt and my strawberries. And I also kept thinking like these foods are healthy. Right. But not only was it not a healthy balanced diet, because I was scared at this point of sugar. I was scared of salt. I was scared of fat. I was scared of carbs. Basically, the only thing I wasn't afraid of was protein (laughs) and everything else I was scared of. And part of the reason I was afraid is, you know, we lived and died by the scale during that whole year because we Mm -hmm. were weighed in by a producer every single week. How you did, I mean, mattered whether you were praised or you were in trouble. Defining the law of physics, Jack. Absolutely. It it apparently happened. And it made me so mad. I'm like, I hope that I could go educate them now because actually it's way more complicated than that. So, you know, I was scared of all those things because even if you didn't gain any weight, but I didn't know that at the time, that's why I love talking to people in the community when they're like freaked out about scale fluctuations, because now scale fluctuations, especially quick ones, 
they don't bother me at all. But so I would be like eating, I don't even want to say eating clean, but like eating, you know, this very restrictive, like five foods. Right. And then on my up day, which is again, not even really truly an up day, but like my cheat day, whatever it was on Sunday, I would eat at a restaurant and I would think, oh my gosh, I gained six pounds overnight. I can never eat at a restaurant again. And now I know, oh, well, I ate salt and I wasn't salting food at home. Oh, I ate carbs. So there was glycogen. Like now I understand all the reasons. But at the time, it actually left me in a even more, I was scared of everything. I was not living life. If you invited me to like a baby shower, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid to go. What if I eat the food? Yeah. And then the other part of it that was really sad is I was getting so much positive feedback though. Everyone was like, you look amazing. You are amazing. You are my inspiration. And I would be like, oh my gosh, but on the inside, I feel like I'm dying. And I also am not any closer to having a baby. And I have these extra weird problems with food now. I'm not happy in my body. And so really, it was like this very long experiment to show me that like, feeling good inside your body really isn't as much about weight as I thought it was. Because yeah, I was now the smallest I'd ever been in my entire adult life. Also, trying to stay there was next to impossible. And again, at the time, I didn't realize that my hormones were literally driving me to want to eat. I just thought, Jackie, you are just such a messed up person that you are now getting up in the middle of the night and eating like a bag of whatever. So I really didn't know where to go from there. And it was affecting all my relationships. It was affecting my relationship with my husband because I was like, I was just so moody and angry because I was either trying to stick to a diet or I was binging, which both things feel terrible. That's the thing that I always think about. I'm like, you know, eating way too much food feels terrible and eating way too little food feels terrible. Both of them are equally bad. And and your body was rebelling. Like it wasn't your fault. That's the part. And you were feeling like, why am I so weak? What is wrong with me? But again, it was a textbook response to what happens when your body is in a panic. Your body's like, we're in such bad panic that we have shut off all your reproductive hormones. You can't grow a baby now because you're going to die because your food's not coming in. You better go eat. And it is really hard to ignore those messages. And so when you heard the messages and you obeyed them, then you felt so guilty. I did. And, you know, I would even try to surround myself with the safest foods possible. My mom still can't believe this story is true, but it is true. I don't know if you've ever eaten Ezekiel bread. But Uh, I like Ezekiel bread. It's a good bread. Yeah, no, it's a great bread. And so, but Ezekiel bread is really dense bread. It's hard to eat a lot of it typically. But I remember being in such a state. Now I know that my body was starving for for nutrients too, not just like, you know, protein, carbs, and fat, but like I was depleted in every way. So, but I remember one night binging on a loaf of Ezekiel bread. And I remember, this is also terrible because I've learned a lot since then, but I was afraid of fat. So I sprayed it with spray butter, which is a chemical big problem. And then I put like Splenda on it because I was like trying to give it flavor, which was- It was all like cinnamon toast, but not. (laughs) Oh, I, I convinced myself so many things were normal and okay. I'd be like, no, it's delicious. And my mom would be like, it wasn't delicious. And I was like, but I was starving. So I <laughs> and now I know the truth. But I ate an entire an entire loaf of Ezekiel bread, which is really, really hard to do. And 
But again, yeah. I internalize that as what the heck is wrong with you? That's not even like something that people would want to eat a loaf of. But now I know my body was crying out. And it is amazing how your primal like urges when you're really that depleted are very hard to like, I could not ignore it. It was just going to keep gnawing at me. Maybe I could say no the first day, the second day, maybe even the first week. Eventually I was going to binge and it didn't matter what it was because my body, it wasn't like I was stressed. So I needed ice cream. It was like my body was not doing well in all the ways. So it just wanted whatever was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, it caused me so much mental duress and so I felt like I just had this whole new set of problems and the whole world, not that the whole world was watching me, but a lot of people had seen it, all of my close friends, all of my family. Oh, yeah. And they would even ask me, are you allowed to eat that? Oh, it, it seems like you're gaining weight. Are you struggling? And now that I look back on it, too, like I never mention anyone's weight. And it's hard because I know that IF is partially a weight journey, but for me, gaining weight can be part of the healing. And for me, it yeah. did end up being part of the healing because what I finally did after like gaining and losing like 10 to 15 pounds, like after the show, like every month I was literally gaining and losing and gaining and losing because I was trying so hard to get a handle on it. And I didn't understand what was happening. And I always wish that I had known someone like you or Dr. Fung or somebody that would have been like, hey, this is what's going on mm -hmm. because I didn't understand and nobody else knew either. The doctors didn't say anything like that to me. Everybody would be like, you know what? Actually, if you do paleo, it's going to correct itself. If you do Whole30, it's going to correct itself because I truly still was on a quest for health. Health was still right. my number one goal because at the end of the day, I wanted to still have a baby. So... I did try a lot of other things and what ended up happening is at a certain point I was like, I am not going to diet anymore. I'm just not going to, it is making my life nuts. I'm not enjoying any part of it. I am going to focus on nutrient dense foods because I do notice that I feel better when I eat more real food, but I don't want to have any limitations anymore. I don't want to label anything. I'm just going to try to nourish myself and I don't know what my body will do. I also had been going through therapy, I met an amazing eating disorder therapist that worked with some people on the show. And she really kind of took me under her wing. She saw that I was- Oh, good. Yes. And she did a lot of amazing mental work with me. I still didn't believe her because I was like, you don't understand, Dr. Julie. I am the most broken human that you can ever imagine. So because she was encouraging me to move more towards intuitive eating, and just listening to my body and all the different things. And I was like, yeah, but my body lies. And the funny thing is my body did lie, mm -hmm. but I didn't know why yet. And of course I was recovering though. I was recovering from what truly was an eating disorder because you know what? The thing about eating disorders is that I know that there's like all these different levels to it. And just because you've never been like anorexic or bulimic specifically, if you have any sort of dieting history, you probably have disordered eating yeah. of some sort. Yep. Yeah. So really, I mean, I started to look into it and I was like, wow, women that have never even struggled with their weight, just because of the messages we get in our society and the obsession and all the different things we've been told to villainize, almost no woman is out there like naturally intuitive eating anymore. Almost none. I'm sure there's some people, but I don't know them. And so just realizing that I did kind of have an eating disorder. And of course I had an eating disorder before the show. It didn't cause it, right. it made it different, but it started 
when I was very, very young. Therapy was really helpful. It was a lot of the things that she taught me and we talked about, though, I didn't start to put into practice fully because I didn't trust myself and I wasn't ready to completely let go because I was terrified still to be a disappointment like to everyone. And so I was still holding on to some control. I wasn't dieting anymore, but I still was afraid of a lot of different foods. Like I wasn't going to be able to just certain things were still completely forbidden. I was probably trying to eat paleo ish. Okay. But I wasn't counting calories anymore, which was like a beautiful thing. And so I did gain some weight, but I also got pregnant, which was yay, which was the whole goal to begin with. So I was so over the moon thrilled. And I remember when I found out I was having a girl, which actually the story of my pregnancy, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was 18 weeks pregnant because, I mean, they told me that I had had hypothalamic amenorrhea. I wasn't going to get pregnant on my own. And then once I finally also got some other fertility testing, they told me that my fallopian tubes were completely blocked. So like, yeah, it was like a mess. So they told me that even if when I got pregnant, it was going to be like through IVF. Well, I mean it's amazing what the body can do. So my body fixed itself. And I finally apparently had nourished myself enough that I had been able to get pregnant. But some people were still talking about my weight gain. And I was like, man, if I hadn't gained some weight during that time, I would have never had a baby. Yeah. But when I found out I was having a girl, I remember thinking, I do not want this life for her. I would never want my daughter to be afraid of social events because of cake. And I don't want her to be constantly thinking about the calories in and calories out. And I was like, you know what? This even cements it further. I will never, ever diet again. I just won't. And so I wanted to nourish myself. So I still paid attention to eating super healthy, especially during my pregnancies and after. But I did gain weight with each pregnancy. And so after I had my daughter Everly, then I had another daughter three years later, and then I had my last daughter a year and a half after that. So I was pregnant or nursing from like 2013 until 2020. So it was a lot. And so I poured myself into that. It was the happiest time of my life. And I was bigger, but I didn't even really think about my weight that much because I was focused on the girls. I was enjoying every single second of it. I had waited a really long time. So even the tough stuff, I mean, they would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would like smile and I'd be like, I'm so lucky I got to do this. Yeah. But it was getting to the point where my youngest daughter was going to be weaning. It was summer of 2020. And I just kept thinking, I felt like my body, something was missing because I was nourishing myself super well at this point. And I hadn't been dieting for a long time. I hadn't been counting calories and I did gain weight with each pregnancy. And, you know, weight was not my number one priority anymore at all. It was just living the best quality life that I could, but I just felt like my body wasn't at its best place. And Mm -hmm. I felt like even if I didn't lose a pound at all, there was still some work to be done. So I was confused about what to do. And I even was very tempted to try like low carb again. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> it just sounds so good. I'm just, that's why I kept going back to it. It's got to work this time. I know. And so I was like, well, maybe it's still, cause I, it, it did feel like it was still maybe blood sugar related because I felt like mm-hmm. my appetite, I was eating too appetite, but it seemed like my appetite was like a little bigger than it should be. And I was trying to trust my body. And then it did feel like I was craving a lot of carbs, like more carbs than maybe you should. So that's why I think I was like, well, maybe I have to go back to low carb, even though it never felt good to me. But I, and I didn't want to model that behavior for my girls either. 
So it's like the middle of the night. This is when I do all my Googling. And I somehow, and I don't know what it was. I tried to remember so I could tell you specifically, but I found some article and it was about intermittent fasting. And in my mind, because of my eat, stop, eat experience where it's not Brad's fault because I did it completely wrong because I wasn't, <laughs> I was never refeeding at all. I was a hundred percent not eating enough the whole time. You were like, stop, yeah, stop a little bit. <laughs> Stop again. There was never a refeed. So, but I didn't realize where I had gone wrong, but I was like against intermittent fasting. I was like, it's a weird fad that you lower your calories by doing this weird thing where you can only eat for like a little bit of time. And at the time I still didn't understand that it was completely made up that the five meals a day didn't help your metabolism. I still thought that that did. So when I was like nursing, I remember I would be like, eating my snack like every two hours, but it wasn't even only when I was hungry. Like it's one thing if you were hungry, but it was like, I got to keep the metabolism rolling, whatever, which when I found out there was like no science to support this, really, I was like, this is a lie. And we're, I mean, do you know how many people still believe it? A hundred percent. And when well, here's where it came from because eating does raise your metabolism. Sure. It does. Sure. But not as much as the food you just ate. No, So there's not a net you're not winning. It's like you have to, I'm just going to make up some numbers, but it'd be like you have to eat 200 calories to burn 30 extra calories or something. That's not a winning math problem. Right. Well, especially (laughs) since then when I started to read about like what happens when you are digesting food all the time, that there's all these different, you know, things that your body can't do. And I did know from when my body shut off my, you know, reproductive system completely, I was like, you know, Because people always want you to go to those calculators and calculate like your total daily energy expenditure. And I was like, how can you do that? Because you know what? Your body can turn on or off tons of parts of you. And maybe it could have used like an extra 400 calories to do work, like not even just you maintain, but you didn't give it to them. So they were like, well, we're just not going to do that. So I had already had like that line of thinking. But in this article, it just talked about like all these health benefits. It really didn't talk about weight loss at all. And I was like, you know, maybe I didn't give it a fair shake because I'm seeing some science and I'm sure some people do use intermittent fasting inappropriately, just like all, you know, eating styles. I was like, but what I'm going to do, because I've always, I love how you always are talking about your experiment of one, because I've always been like that. I've always been like, let's experiment and see what happens. I love the whole process. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to do it for 30 days and I'm going to see how I feel. And I have no problem completely rejecting it if I don't feel that great. And so I just did it on my own. So I didn't read anything else yet. I was not clean fasting, but I didn't know what clean fasting That's all right. You didn't know. I wasn't either at the beginning. So (laughs) for the first 30 days, I was drinking like cream and stevia in my coffee in the morning. And I sometimes would drink like, this is like the worst thing. I would drink kombucha like throughout the day because a few sips of it was less than 50 calories or whatever. And so in the first 30 days, even doing it wrong, I got to the end and I was like, I like this. I was like, I feel better. I was less bloated. I felt like my body signals were starting to, Mm -hmm. but it was still like a, through all my fasting hours, I was like thinking about when I could eat. Well, I was in some sort of fasting forum on Facebook and somebody said, did you read Delay Don't Deny? It's funny because I think Fast Feast Repeat was like going to come out like the next week, but I didn't know. (laughs) And I liked the, the name of the title. It's funny because I 
had heard of the obesity code for years and I didn't even know it was an intermittent fasting book. The whole reason I didn't buy it is because I didn't like the title. I didn't like the name. I right. just, I don't know why. That's so funny. No, it is funny. So I like delay, don't deny. I was like, Hey, I was like, well, it sounds like what I want to do. And people are saying it's interesting. So I actually downloaded that book first on audible and then like fast face repeat came out like the next week. And so then I listened to that and it was similar, but obviously much more updated. So it was amazing to find it. Number one, it was laid out perfectly wonderfully. I mean, I, I there was enough science. There was, I loved you immediately. I was like, wait, this lady is a teacher. She has nothing to gain from me because I was also used to the diet industry. Everybody wants to sell you something. Everybody wants you to do it their yeah. way. I was like, she literally has no agenda for my life. There's nothing else that she's going to try to sell me. There's not like a supplement that I have to take. And I was like, so I'm just going to try it her way because typically I'm a little bit rebellious now when somebody says like, you have to do something a certain way. So when I heard about the clean fast, I get you're the rebel that I was talking to <laughs> in the clean fast yeah. chapter. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't know. I was like, I've been doing fine dirty fasting. And, but Jen Stevens yeah. says that you have to do it this way. But I was like, I'm going to give it another 30 days. I'm going to do it her way and see what happens. And during the next 30 days, fasting became easy. And I was like, okay, so I have better energy. I feel like my, like my hormones must be telling me the right thing. And I did lose weight during that time. I've the whole time been a daily wear because I, I just like the data. It's interesting to me. I already knew that if I ate a ton of carbs, it was going to pop up. And if I ate soup, it was going to pop up. So I already knew. And so for me, it was fun to log the data. And I've always just liked that. But I did lose weight during the first 30 days and the second 30 days and actually every single month in the last 18 months. But the thing that was just blowing my mind, I remember because I used to be a part of the forums, is that I would be like, I cannot believe that I ate to full satiety. I ate all the foods because I still cared a lot about nutrient density, but I was eating all the foods and I lost weight every single month. I used to have to beg my body and my body was just like, sure, we're happy. We don't need this. And it like, it really did feel like it I love it. Just let go. And I was shocked. And actually, even when people would ask me what I was doing, I would tell them and they wouldn't believe me. And I understand why they didn't believe me because it didn't seem like it could be true. And right. After how hard you worked before, mm -hmm. you were not exercising six hours a day. Oh my gosh, no. You were not I mean, eating 800 calories. Well, and that was the amazing thing. I had promised myself already that I would never micromanage my calories again. And so there would be days that I would, because I took it very to heart, I was going to eat to satiety. And it was fun to learn yeah. satiety because Sean, my husband, Sean, he will even ask me, he's like, I don't understand. I keep trying to eat to satiety, but I keep accidentally going over. I was like, yeah, you go over and then you go under. And then you were like, oh, this is what it feels like. You can't explain it to someone. They have to just learn it because I'm sure it's different for each person. But once you learn it, and once I got used to the idea that, hey, I'm going to be eating to satiety every day. So I don't have to be afraid. Like I can just eat and then you get to do it again tomorrow because a large portion of my life was on or off a diet. So I was afraid of like the scarcity of the next day. And so wanting to overeat just kind of went away, even if it was something I love, love, loved, like my favorite food in the entire world. I was like, but I could eat it again tomorrow. And also being a mom of little kids, I don't have time to feel sluggish. Like I can't be like, oh, I ate too many cookies. I can't get off the couch. I have to do all the things with the children. And I also didn't have time to not have enough energy because I was hungry either. And I also don't want to be the mom that's hangry and like doesn't have patience with you. So I wasn't going to do anything that didn't feel good. And I felt 
amazingly good. And I would have stuck around just for that. So I truly, people would even say, what do you want your goal weight to be? I said, I don't care. I just want to feel good in my body. And I started to feel really good in my body. And then I just wanted to tell all the people I was like, because then I did eventually read the obesity code, which all of it just built layers onto Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I understand my whole journey backwards better than I ever could have. Because now I see why all these things happen. And most of it didn't have very much to do with just me. It had to do with flaws. Like it wasn't character flaws of Jackie. No. And that's truly what I thought that I was broken. And, you know, I kept thinking if anyone's going to fail at intermittent fasting, it's going to be me because I had already read the biggest loser study. And I was like, okay, well, I wasn't on the biggest loser, but we did something incredibly similar. So my metabolism might be broken forever. And my body responded to IF really, really, I would say fast. Like I know faster ways to lose weight, they're all bad. So to me, this was pretty fast. And I don't think that my body is even done. So I still, I mean, even my lowest months, like, yeah, maybe I only lost a pound in a month. I lost a pound in a month doing nothing except for just living my best life. Like that's amazing. Yeah. So, so what does your pattern look like now? Does it change up? Are you in like a comfortable routine? Well, I'm a weird person when it comes to IF and I found this out because I've now seen tons of different people's patterns. So I had been worried about metabolic adaptation because truly my greatest desire is that my body just do what it would have done if none of these weird things happen. Like, I don't care what it does, but I don't want anything to interfere. I want it to like become the person it should have been the whole time. So because of like my dieting history, I didn't want to keep everything like exactly the same all the time. I already had thought about changing things up, but I also didn't personally want to do ADF because of just what I've been through, I wanted to be able to eat every single day. So I was, I get that. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, I first did like 16, eight, like the first month. And then the second month it naturally went to 24. But then the third month I started changing the meal that I ate. So like I would eat lunch and then I would eat dinner and then I would eat lunch. And then I, and then, well, so I remember my daughter had a brunch at her school and I wanted to eat it. And I knew that I was not going to make IF fit me. I wasn't going to fit IF. So I remember being like, I don't know what will happen if I eat breakfast. Because it was like 9 or 10 in the morning. I was like, I I might be starving all day. I don't know. But I did. And what I found for myself is is if I eat one meal a day to full satiety, it doesn't matter what meal it is. I'm good till the next day. So I feel like I have the superpower. So what I do now is about two days a week, I eat breakfast. And when I say breakfast, I mean, I eat like a two to three hour window at breakfast time in the morning, a couple days a week, I eat dinner. And then the rest of the time I eat midday. I would say if you made me like get married to one time, I would like midday because midday is like my favorite, but somehow no matter which one, and I, I change it up with like my schedule with social engagements, but I also just change it up because I like having the long, short, long, short, long, short with the fasts. Right. So I would say that makes sense. My longest fasts usually are like 32 hours. That's if I go from like a breakfast all the way to a dinner. But I think my average is 22 two. So if I were to average all the things that I do, it would be like a 22 two, because I almost always have about a two hour window. But I would eat longer if I needed to. Like there have been some times, I mean, hormones and cycles definitely have affected me. And I just have run with it completely. I've been like, oh, wait, well, I'm about to ovulate and I'm super hungry. So I'm going to honor that. And I'm just going to eat a lot. And I would call my mom and I'd be like, mom, 
I ate more than I thought that I should, but my body kept saying it was hungry. And guess what happened? Nothing, nothing happened. I just stayed the same. <laughs> and then sometimes I would eat a very small amount and I'd be like, huh, this is all my body needs. And that's what I yeah. learned about appetite correction is I thought appetite correction was going to be, I just needed less and less food. And like, but really what appetite correction was for me was that sometimes I need a lot and sometimes I need a little, but my body knows. And then, yep, that's exactly the point. And people always get that wrong. They're like, I just ate a whole lot. Where's my appetite correction? I'm like, maybe that was your appetite correction because you needed more. Like, Like right now it's cold. We're recording this in January. It comes out in May, but we're recording it in January. And people who live in the really cold places where it's like super cold are like, I was outside, it's negative 12, and I, I came inside, and I was really, really hungry, and I ate too much. I'm like, your body probably needed that after being negative 12 or whatever. Yeah. That's okay. That was the most empowering part of it, though, is that for the first time in my life, I got to listen, and I still was like, like hiding my eyes thinking, oh my gosh, like I listened, and I'm going to get up, and it's going to be like gain, 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 and it did not happen that way for me. And of course, like blips don't matter. Like maybe I was up for a week. But that was the other thing. I never panicked and I never corrected. So in my years of dieting, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've been up for a week. So then I better, you know, do something to correct it. And I was just like, hey, I'm living my life. Whatever my weight does is not up to me. I can just nourish myself and listen to my body. And every single time though, it ended up paying off and I just kept getting better and better. I'm in a place where I would never be afraid of like some sort of weird rebound. And the reason is, that in the past, I always cut things out that I wanted to reintroduce, like either cut out a food group or I was eating way too little calories. But like if all of a sudden I decided to stop intermittent fasting tomorrow, which I never would because I've never felt so good and I know I'm going to do it forever, there'd be nothing to like all of a sudden, like it's not like I have to eat all the brownies because I didn't eat brownies for 18 months. Guess what? I eat brownies sometimes and I ate carbs and I ate all the foods. So I don't feel like I'm missing anything. So there wouldn't be like this big fall off the wagon moment I guess I would just start eating more meals per day, but I feel like truly this is metabolic healing has occurred and it's the first time too, I'm able to get rid of my clothes and know that maybe I'll keep like one size up and one size down, but I have like eight sizes in there. I bet. But my body feels like this is now it just knows what to do and I can just trust it. And I was like, this is how it was supposed to be. And so it really wasn't a weight I was looking for. It was hormonal healing And that feels way better than my smallest size, definitely than my bigger size. It just, I'm like, oh, now I can just be. And my life is so much more than food because I was so obsessed with my weight and food for most of my life, which makes me so sad because it it was just such a huge waste of my energy and brain power. And now I love IF, but I'm not even obsessed with IF because I don't have to think about it. I just do it. And then I can live my life in all the other ways I want to live. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. 
Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So that's the magical part, Jackie, is that you no longer have anything that's upsetting you or worrying you or panicking you and food is just food now. It's not like these are the five good foods I can eat. There are, these are the foods that are scary or, or what if I go to this party and I eat? You're just living your life. It's a freedom that I truly have never known because I broke up the foods into like good and bad foods again from a very young age. And I just was so afraid and I, I was looking for this perfect combination. And what I realized is that when I was not living in food freedom, I was obsessed with the bad food. And then I was like not getting enough of the good food. As soon as I was able to eat all the foods again, I actually mostly wanted to nourish myself though. So I started to eat more healthy foods and I still ate fun foods and the fun foods had no power over me. Like I, right. I remember when I first read your book, and you would talk about like the Doritos. And I was like, oh, I really like Doritos, but I can't let myself eat Doritos. <laughs> I wouldn't choose Doritos usually because of, you know, all right. the things we know about chemicals and foods. But if they were there and I really wanted some, I would have some. And I think that's why I really related to you also is every time I heard you talk, you were not an extremist in any of the videos. Mm-hmm. I loved that you would be like, I would eat McDonald's. Like I wouldn't usually eat McDonald's. Like, yes, I care about grass fed. I care about organic. I care about food quality and food sources because nutrients matter because that's how you build a healthy body free of, you know, diseases and things. But also I'm not such a, you know, stickler that Mm -hmm. I would say that anything's off limits because, you know, orthorexia, and I didn't get to that part in your book yet, but I heard you talk about it. But orthorexia is a thing. And by the way, for everyone who's listening, the book's only been out for three days at the day that we're recording this. So I do not expect that you will have read that yet. Well, I already did start it though. And I'm already excited. Good. By, by May, you will have read it. But as, yeah. as of today, it's all right. But I heard that you but orthorexia is a big deal. It is. It's a big thing. Well, And so because the weight loss journeys and health journeys do get intertwined, even though unfortunately you could do you know, something that really didn't help your health at all. Because that is one thing that I'm passionate about now is it is more so the healthy habits, whether your weight changes or doesn't change, the healthy habits are really what help you have a healthier body or not. And in some ways we might be control over our weight and in some ways we might not be. But I hate that when I was dieting, I would like try to do all these things. And then when it wasn't working, and I'm using air quotes because, you know, it depends on what you mean by working. But then I would abandon all like the healthy things I was doing and be like, well, then I might as well live my old way. Well, now I realize, you know what? I want to live in healthy habits no matter what, because that's what's going to help me have a healthier life. When it's too much linked to the scale, 
that's when people are on and off and on and off. And then they're not able to live their healthiest life. And that's why I really was like, hey, whatever my weight does, that's between my body and my hormones, but not, I don't have a lot to do with it. So the weight loss was truly an exciting side effect for me, really more so because it indicated to me healing because I didn't have to do anything crazy to get there, which has never been my life story ever. That's amazing. And so you're feeling really good in the body that you're in right now. Yeah. So if your body just said, here's where I am, this is where I'm going to be. Oh, I feel thrilled. I feel really good physically. I feel really good with my energy. I feel like my hormones are firing properly. And I know a lot of people talk about this, so I do want to mention it. I did have some hair loss, because I talked about hair loss when I was on the show, but that was like, hey, I'm really nutrient depleted hair loss. I had hair loss this time too, but my hair is totally fine again. So I don't know if it was just like, you know, the, cause even good stress, 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 but it, it all grew back in. And of course, because my journey correlated with like weaning from nursing as well, like a lot of things, I don't know, you know, which part of it was what, cause I know that you lose hair when you have babies too, but I would say that like my skin is great. I didn't have any like health ailments. Like I know that I had already worked on a lot of things, but I will say that probably the biggest way this has changed my life is it's amazing that I have steady energy 90% of the time. Even if I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm eating or not. Like I try to be patient with people, but it is weird because like sometimes my husband will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so starving. And I'm like, that was Chad last night. Dinner wasn't ready yet because I was really busy and it was almost ready. I was like, literally, I am taking the top off the quick cooker. It'll be on the table. And he's over there microwaving chicken fingers. (laughs) I'm like, what? Can you wait two minutes? No, no, he could not. Because it does feel like a mom superpower because I mean, I feel like if I have to wait extra long, so say like I was planning on midday meal and then suddenly my day goes sideways and I have to go do things with the kids and I don't get to eat till like 6 p.m. Again, 90% of the time, every once in a while there's a day that I'm like, oh, I am extra hungry today. But most of the time I'm like, oh, well, I could wait or I could eat. It's such an amazing way to live to not feel like if you don't eat, you're going to be shaky or you're going to be sick. Right. In fact, so I did not ever do ADF, but twice during my journey, I've skipped a whole day of food accidentally. One of the days I was like on a flight that was delayed and there was nothing window worthy. So I was like, I'm not just going to eat random stuff. And then by the time I got home, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like 9 PM. I'm very tired. I'm just going to wait. But I remember waking up the next day and when I was dieting, I would like be so like hungry and hangry and shaky and all these things. And I was like, I feel like I could go like longer. It feels like a superpower. And I always feel, I try not to judge my husband or anybody else that needs to eat all the time, but I'm always like, wow, this is like actually very convenient also because I don't need food very often to feel really awesome. And we haven't talked about, about your weight loss with intermittent fasting. And really, I know that honestly, that's probably not at the top of your mind as far as like numbers, but do you, do you know how much weight you've lost with intermittent fasting? People are going to want to know if I don't ask you. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I never want like my starting, because of the show, I'm a little bit like weird about like starting. Oh yeah. So I'll just tell you how much I've lost. I'm sure that people can figure it out. So altogether, I've lost 78 pounds in 18 months, but I would say that I, I think I lost 67 the first year. Mm -hmm. And so it's gotten a lot slower, but I still seem to be in a downward trend. And if I had to guess based on just tracking my weight for so many years, I think that my body will probably release another 10 pounds. And I think that it'll probably take 
all next year. Well, all this year, all 2022. Yeah. yeah. But because I have no timeline and I have no agenda and I don't care, it means nothing. But it actually excites me when weight loss is slow. And I know that people get discouraged, but I'm like, okay, so fast weight loss does bounce back fast. And slow mm-hmm. weight loss means that my body wasn't like beat into submission. My body was like, I'm good. I don't need this pound. I'll give it back to the universe or whatever. So I love slow and slow has excited me, but I don't think that I'm done. But yeah, 78 pounds in 18 months is what has gone on so far for me. Well, the most important part of your story is not the number of pounds. Obviously, it's the way that you feel and that you have finally, finally from little 11-year-old Jackie, you know, who was like in diet turmoil from the age of 11 and then just all that that you've tried so hard for all those decades and now you're free. Well, and that's why I wanted to tell my story so badly because I was like, goodness gracious, if this is my story and I've been through all these crazy things, but I still could come to a place of peace with food in my body and also get weight off that my body didn't need and just heal in all these ways. I know that this is possible for so many people and it makes yeah. me so sad to see people spinning their wheels in the same way that I did for all these years. I mean, we're in January right now. I know it's not going to come out until May, but you know, there's all these cleanses and diets and different things. And my friends are saying how they're doing like 1200 calories a day and they're doing all raw foods and they're doing all juices, all these different things, which necessarily aren't you know bad on their own. But I'm like, oh gosh, even if it works, it's not going to work long-term because it's not helping heal. And I also think about the fact that I was able to release all this weight. And to this day, I have no idea how many calories I ate, which is astonishing to me. And I can tell you though, a lot of days I ate a lot of food. I mean, people assume because you're eating one meal a day that you, they're like, oh, well, of course you're losing a lot. I'm like, you don't understand what one meal a day means to me. (laughs) Me too. And I literally eat until my body says, no, thank you. And so if that means some days I might eat three bowls of whatever, and then some days maybe I will only eat a bowl. But if I had to guess many, many days, I was eating way more than any like nutritionist would have said that I was supposed to eat yet. And then of course, some days probably I ate less, but I feel like my body is running on all cylinders, which is what you want. When I was dieting, it like lowered everything to accommodate this like low calorie. Now I eat to whatever my body wants, but I feel like my body is like, okay, we're going to do all the things. And that's what I like. It feels much better to just do all the things. I love it. So I really, I always hope for people to free themselves from the calorie counting, but even from the good and bad foods. I I remember one of my non-scale victories when, and I remember sharing, this was when we were just on Facebook, we weren't in the community yet, is I drank eggnog with my dad. Well, my dad and I always grew up drinking eggnog only at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And it was like a nice thing because me and my dad were the only ones in the family that like loved eggnog. But then of course, when I found out how many calories were in eggnog and how much sugar and how much fat, like eggnog was villainized and I didn't eat it again for, I don't know, decades. And I remember I had been doing IF for like almost six months when Christmas time came and I had been, I had been trusting a little more and a little more and a little more. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to drink eggnog with my dad, which I knew was not like a superfood, but I did. And I was like, and guess what happened? Because it would always be shocking. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happened. I drank (laughs) it and I enjoyed it. And I'm sure my body compensated in other ways. It was like, okay, she ate this much eggnog, so she needs a little less chicken or whatever. And nothing happened during that time. And so this Christmas season, it was even more 
fun because I was like, you know what? I do um, live gluten-free because I do have Hashimoto's. And I okay. find for myself, my antibodies go to zero if I live gluten-free. But besides gluten, I have I eat all the other foods. So gluten's the only mm-hmm. thing that I personally avoid because it seems to keep my Hashimoto's healthy. So, I mean, if I saw it and I wanted to eat it, and I think the other part of it that's so beautiful is that never one time in like a year have I wanted to binge on anything because- That's amazing. Yeah. You're in tune. And I was a lifelong- restrict binge, restrict binge. I mean, I literally remember as a 16 year old, like hiding in my closet, like eating a whole rack of cookies. And I remember I would tell people like, I can't have these things in the house. Cause I know that a lot of people talk about sugar and I think that there's different journeys with sugar, but I want to say with mine personally, I thought of myself as a sugar addict and I was not a sugar addict. I was on a very long binge restrict cycle. So I thought, oh, no, I can't have brownies in my house because I'll only eat all the brownies. Well, as soon as I didn't villainize brownies, as soon as I was like, well, you can have a brownie anytime you want, I can promise you, you could not pay me to eat a pan of brownies because that would feel yucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would hate it. But, and I can keep sugar in my house. And of course, I still try for highest quality. And I think I've always related to you on this too. Like, I want to make like the highest quality brownies that I can. Like, maybe I'll use maple syrup instead of, you know, I don't know, cane sugar because I, because they still taste delicious. Yeah. But I bake things all the time. And I realized that me personally, I was not a sugar addict. And the more that I tried to like eliminate sugar from my life, actually the more power it had over me personally. And I know people have a different experience with this, but for me, once I allowed all foods equally, I have never had any issues with sugar whatsoever. And I am somebody who also the entire 18 months that I've been doing intermittent fasting, I have eaten dessert probably like every day, but three days. And I love dessert. Yeah. It has been amazing to me because I have not had any problems just eating a little bit. Like, and I'm not saying that every single time, like maybe one day I did eat like more, but it just seemed to be like, I listened to my body every single time and I knew I was going to have dessert again tomorrow. So there was like no power over me. So I would just- No need to eat all of it. No. You don't have to eat the whole pie today. No. And now I realize it was all scarcity mentality. So I just would say somebody has been struggling with sugar, maybe, because I think sugar addiction is real. And I think that some people's brains work differently. But if you've been a lifelong dieter and if you're vilifying it in your mind- then it could be that actually the reintroduction is going to give you the freedom because that is how it was for me, the reintroduction to desserts. Because for me, desserts were something that I hardly ever ate because I felt like I couldn't control myself with them. But then hardly ever eating them means when I did encounter them, I went crazy. Eating dessert every day has actually been the best. And of course, sometimes I eat super healthy desserts and sometimes I eat a milkshake. Like it just depends, right? It has been such, I don't know, it's just been so fun to feel free and to know that if like my kids, are going to go to, I don't know, a party. Like I can eat whatever. And sometimes I don't want to. And saying no is beautiful when it's not a rule. It's not a food rule. It's not something I have to do. I say no because I really, truly do not want it because I feel super good. There are certain foods that I do like the taste of that I just don't want because I like feeling amazing. I mean, I get up every day and I'm 41. And sometimes people will be like, oh, once you hit your 40s, I was like, I don't, I feel the best I ever felt in my entire life. And I'm 52 and I feel the best. I know. And you look I amazing. Your skin is beautiful. <laughs> I think that nourishing yourself well, I mean, aging can be different. So, so truly, yeah. So now I feel like I could eat all the foods, but I don't want to eat all the foods all the time. 
but I made the choice. It's not like it's all internal. It's not external stimulus telling me what I can and can't do. And so I just want that for every woman to like get off of that. Like your body does have so much wisdom inside of it. And man, every woman and man, everyone. I still want it for my husband because my husband, actually, he still has not done intermittent fasting. He says that he struggles. He's a firefighter paramedic and his schedule is really well because sometimes he's up for an entire 24 hours and then he's like, yes, every woman and man. I just know that I mostly speak to women, but I want it for everybody because yes, men are stuck on the cycle too. He keeps going back to keto. And I'm always like, Uh, I wish that you would just nourish yourself. And one day, one day he'll be ready. He'll figure it out. He's watching you. Yeah. And he's so happy for me because he knows what a mental toll it took on me. And for the first time in my life, I'm not talking about, and I was always talking about my diet. That must've been like so boring for him, but that was what I was obsessed with because that's all my brain could, because I was counting all the things and doing all the things and prepping all the things. And I had this list of good foods and this list of bad foods. And, um, it did seem almost impossible that it could be so simple. The easiest thing that I ever done, I didn't need to buy anything special. I didn't need to do anything special. I don't even, I didn't have to prep anything and it still could be flexible too. Cause sometimes your day changes and that's yeah. fine. And, and there's no like, cause I think a few times during the year, cause I used to think I had to do a 16, eight, like at least that was like my personal rule. But there have been a couple times where I did like a 14. Well, first of all, I've never done an eight in so long because I don't need eight hours anymore. So now I only do like two to four. But like sometimes there would be a day where I'd be like, you know what? I had dinner last night and I'm going to have breakfast because I'm at a thing and I want to and it's only going to be a 14 hour fast. And I found naturally sometimes when I did a couple short ones that naturally my body almost craved a long one. I didn't have to tell me to do a longer one. It balances. Yes. And so the trusting yourself, I think I was in the perfect position because I had done the mental work with the eating disorder therapist. I had already rejected dieting mentality. I had already focused on nutrient dense foods and I cared about health and, and, but then the IF was like this extra layer to pull it all together so perfectly. And it felt like what I was missing the whole time. And I was like, oh, this is it. And I'm just so grateful for your book because I think I had already rejected IF. And I think because your voice was so relatable and I just felt your heart. I was like, Jen is like me. She found what finally set her free and she wants this for everyone else. I do. You nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. So I think if you hadn't heard it from your voice, though, I might have just kept, I don't know, never having this missing piece that I really, really needed. Well, I'm glad that we get the lesson we need when we need it. When when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Is that what they say? Yes. yes. Well, thank you, teacher. Well, I'm the teacher. I'll appear anytime, anywhere. But (laughs) so we're out of time. So what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think I would just tell them, I think a lot of people say this, but to truly just trust the process and trust your body. And that I think we overcomplicate things. But if you're doing the fasting, whatever is supposed to be happening is happening. And if it doesn't feel like it's working, things still are working. So I was in a place to really be able to trust, but I see that that's like the biggest struggle. I think we still want to micromanage our food. And I think that we also still get really stressed out about like what's healthy and unhealthy. And so anyone starting Mm -hmm. out in the process, I would say start, I mean, just like you say in, in the book, I mean, do the 28 day fast start, but just focus on the fasting part. 
And the other thing that I've heard people say, but it is 100% true, is that every other thing that I've ever done has gotten harder over time because, you know, restriction over time only gets harder. And this truly, like when people hear what I do now, they're like, oh my gosh, that seems so hard. And I look at them in the eye and I say, I promise you, this is the easiest thing that I ever did. Maybe the first month it wasn't easy, but it wasn't that hard. There was still everything else was much harder. And it's also one of the most enjoyable things that I've ever done because I felt better and better over time instead of more and more depleted. So this is not a quick fix and true Mm -hmm. healing never is. And your weight might be different than you think that it should be. Even, you know, people get really settled on like these specific arbitrary goals but being able to feel good in your body is the number one thing. And I, so I would just say, trust the process, keep going and try not to let all those external influences decide whether it's working or not. Well, Jackie, I have so enjoyed talking to you today. And I think this is going to be one people really relate to. Your story is just so inspirational. And thank you for sharing it. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome. And I just am really grateful for your work in the world. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you, like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them, In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.